Please take a seat. And if I haven't met you, my name is Campbell, pastor here at Cornerstone Presbyterian. Wonderful to have you with us today. And if you're visiting, a special welcome to you. Please stay behind for some morning tea and, and a chance to, for us to get to know you. And we're continuing our series today on walking arm in arm with Jesus in every aspect of our life. And we've look, looked at walking arm in arm with Jesus in, in our work, um, with raising our children, and in many other areas of life with our money. And today we're looking at walking arm in arm with Jesus when it comes to wine. And so if you, if you want to have your Bibles ready, the first passage we'll be looking at today is from Genesis chapter 9. But I warn you now, we will be looking at, we will be going right across our Bibles today from beginning to end, but we'll be beginning in a moment with Genesis chapter 9. And my first question for you this morning is a simple one, simple to ask, hard to, to answer. Do you abuse alcohol? Do you abuse alcohol? Well, these are the signs, according to the experts. Worrying about when you're going to next, get your next drink. Sweating, nausea or anxiety, insomnia when you don't get a drink, needing to drink more and more alcohol to get drunk, drinking or wanting to drink when you wake up in the morning, drinking regularly on your own or trying to hide your drinking, and fighting with friends and family about your drinking or fighting with friends and family about your going out to drink. And so the, these are the signs of a person who abuses Alcohol. These are the signs of a person who is enslaved by alcohol. But I don't want to just stop on alcohol this morning. I want to think about other things that we addict ourselves to. I want to think about other things that we enslave ourselves to. What about drugs? What about gambling? What about pornography? What about food? Tobacco? Caffeine? Our work, shopping, gaming, video gaming I'm talking about, or our smartphones, or some or all of the above. These are the kinds of things that we can addict ourselves to. These are the kinds of things that, that can enslave us. And at the heart of these addictions at the heart of these slaveries, lies the same problem. It's our tendency to enslave ourselves to God's good gifts. So at the heart of every addiction is our tendency to enslave ourselves to God's good gifts. And we're going to examine this, this tendency this morning using wine as our main example and we're going to apply the Bible's lessons and warnings about wine to those other slaveries and addictions that I have listed this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we've come here today 
to bow before you and to hear your voice. Speak to us now from your word, we pray, Lord. And we pray that your word will not harden our hearts, but your word will break our hearts and humble us. May it change us, we pray. Amen. So we see from God's word that wine is God's gift of love. Wine is a love gift from God. In Psalm 104, we read that God makes the grass grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens the hearts of men, oil to make his face shine, and bread that sustains his heart. So there we go. Wine is a loved gift from God. And not only is it something that that can help us rejoice, It's also something that can help us when we're not feeling so good. So Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. In fact, even in the book of Proverbs, and we're going to land on the book of Proverbs this morning, even the book of Proverbs portrays and and shows wine in a positive light. So wisdom in, in Proverbs chapter 9 says that, um, well, the the author of Proverbs saying about wisdom says that she has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. Come, eat my food and drink the wine that I have mixed. In fact, in the Old Testament, abundant wine is a sign of Messiah's blessed reign. And that is why at the wedding at Cana, Our Lord Jesus, when the wine ran out, made the equivalent of a thousand bottles of vintage wine for that wedding party. And whatever wasn't drunk at the wedding, the couple would have sold, and that the the, the money from the sale would have been a, a wonderful start to their married life. And so we see that wine is is something that Jesus himself made to show that he is Messiah, that Messiah's reign, his glorious reign was beginning on earth. And we see wine near the beginning of our Bibles in Genesis chapter 9, and I'm looking here at verse 20, when Noah, who is the ancestor of every single one of us here, let's not forget that, we're not all, we, we, we know that we are descended from Adam, but every single one of us here is descended from Noah. We, he is the father of us all. And we read in Genesis 9, verse 20, that Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. And so, wine is one of God's love gifts to humanity. Like his other love gifts, medicine, money, sex, food, work, coffee, houses, clothes, games... Communication devices, all of these things are God's love gifts and signs of his love for humanity. Here's the problem. The problem is that we enslave ourselves to wine and to his other love gifts. Because no sooner do we read that Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard, then we read this. And when he came to to drink some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. 
And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backward and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. And when Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan. The lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. Now, there's a lot that is mysterious about that passage. But the one thing that's very clear is that Noah received God's good gift of of wine and he abused it. That's very clear. He abused it. He allowed it to master him. He allowed the wine to, to, to enslave him. He put himself under its control. Instead of controlling the wine, the wine controlled him. It made him drunk, naked. He did something disgraceful. He harmed himself with God's good gifts. Can you see that? He took God's good gift, enslaved himself to it, and it harmed him, and it harmed those around him. And this is what we do. This is what the sinful heart does with all of God's good gifts. We take medicine and we turn it into narcotics. And we take God's gift of money and we make it our master. The same applies to sex and food and work and coffee, our homes, our clothes, our, our games, our smartphones, good things. And we put ourselves, good things that God gives us that we should be controlling to bless us and we allow them to control us and we put ourselves under their control. Now in Israel, you could voluntarily enslave yourself for life to your master. Do you remember that that passage in the Old Testament? And if uh, a slave wanted to remain a slave for life, he could... uh, put his ear up next to the doorframe and the master would take an awl, which was a, like a, a drill, and he would pierce your ear into the doorframe. And that was a permanent marker that you were now a, a slave forever until you died of that master. So you could voluntarily enslave yourself to a good master if you wanted to do that. And how often do we voluntarily enslave ourselves to things that should be taken as gifts, things that should bless us and help us. We take these things, we enslave ourselves to them, and they begin to harm us. Now, many addictions we see as we uh, look at, at, at the internet and, and, and what it, it teaches about addictions... Many addictions are now classed as what? Diseases. I think more and more we're seeing what 10 years ago was an addiction is now considered to be a disease, as though we are passive victims of these things. But addictions never start that way, do they? We enslave ourselves. We make a decision to enslave ourselves to these things. We are not the passive victims of a disease. We are the active participants in enslaving ourselves 
to things that we should not be enslaved to. Why do we do it? Well, I want us right now to think very carefully about the process of how a person becomes an addict, how a person addicts themselves in a harmful way. And we're going to use, again, wine as our example. Now, in the Bible, God teaches us that he made us to, to, to glorify him and to enjoy him and to obey him and to love him. That's what the Bible teaches through and through, doesn't it? We were made to, to glorify and love God. And the Bible teaches us that God has given us wine as his gift to help us to enjoy him. It's his love gift that he gives us to, to help us to love and enjoy him. Cheers. <laughs> but what's the problem? What do we do? We don't want to love God. We don't want to obey God. We don't want to submit ourselves to God. But we want his good gifts. The thing is this. He made us to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength. Our, our hearts crave to do this. We were designed this way to give worship and adoration to God. And when we don't give it to God, what do we do? We give it to his good gifts. But it's not enough, is it? You see, if God, if God's not there, this has got to do a much bigger job. And if this is going to make us happy, we're going to need a whole lot more of it in this fruitless uh, hunger and thirst to get enjoyment out of the gift. Instead of the giver, we take too much and it becomes our master. And so what should have been our servant helping us to enjoy God and to give thanks to him now becomes our master and it enslaves us. Our thirst can never be satisfied by God's gifts and so we use too much of it, we misuse it, we distort it, and we do it with everything. We take medicine and we distort it into narcotics. We take sex and we distort it into porneia, is what the Bible calls it, sexual immorality. We distort it into adultery, fornication, homosexuality, prostitution. We take food, and, which is God's good gift, God's good gift, and what do we do with food? We make it our God. Paul says our stomachs have become our gods. And we take our smartphones and they become tyrants. They dominate our life. We, and, and, and every teacher is now saying this. Every teacher is now saying that they can't teach anymore because their kids cannot 
stop looking at their phones. They can't stop. There's, it, it's got this hold over them. And so teachers are crying out, please ban phones because we just can't teach anymore because these things are enslaved, have enslaved the hearts and the attention of our children. But where do our children learn that? Well, you know where they learn that. And so we abuse God's gifts of love and the overuse of them, the misuse of them, the distortion of them drags us into misery and the overuse, the misuse and the distortion of them ultimately drags us into hell. It's not a laughing matter, is it? That God's good gift, misused, becomes a tyrant that drags us into hell. And so, brothers and sisters, there are three things we must do. Three things we must do when it comes to, to, to God's good gifts and our tendency to enslave ourselves to them, to abuse them. We must repent of this, be cleansed of this, and we must guard ourselves against it. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. This is our Lord Jesus talking here. It's our Lord Jesus addressing us directly. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the golden lampstands. He's close to his church, that means. I know your deeds. He's saying this to, uh, to, to Cornerstone now. He's saying this. I know your deeds. I know your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you, you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. How? How have we forsaken our first love the same old way? We take his good gifts and we enslave ourselves to them. We abuse them, we overuse them, We've made them our master. We have forsaken our first love for Jesus and we have given our love to his gifts and we've abused them and perverted them. Is this true or not? Think about yourself. Have you forsaken your first love and given your love to the gifts of Christ instead of to Christ himself. Consider how far you've fallen, he says. Consider how far you've fallen and repent. And what does that mean? It means turn. Turn your back on this. Stop doing this, our Lord lovingly pleads with us this morning. Stop taking my good gifts and abusing them 
and overindulging in them, distorting them. Stop doing this, he says. Repent. You've made these things your first love instead of me. I gave you these things to to help you love me and, and you've given your heart to them. Stop it, he says. Repent of it. Do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Because we we need to turn our, our back on these things, on our addictions, but we need to be cleansed from them. And, and we know this, don't we? So, so, yes, I hear you, Lord Jesus. I need to turn my back on uh, misusing your good gifts, addicting myself to them, but it's taken hold of my heart. It's got my heart. The claws are in, and I don't know how to free myself. Well, this is, this is where we read these wonderful words, that our Lord Jesus, the same Lord Jesus who commands us to repent of our addiction, says, I have cleansed you from it. I've done something to free you from it. I've done something to remove those claws. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, Paul says. That's what some of you were. But you were washed. And you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. These are glorious words, aren't they? These are wonderful words to those who are addicted in whatever that form that may take, whatever forms it may take. Jesus died at his blood. It's cleansed us from our addictions. The claws have been taken out. These things don't have to be our master. They must not be our master. If you have put your, repented of your sin and put your trust in Christ, then his blood has washed your heart clean. He has sanctified you. He has justified you. You are free. You're free. You don't have to anymore. (laughs) And it might be very hard. And he calls us to repent, and repentance is hard. But these things are no longer our master. Jesus Christ has destroyed that master. He's put it to death. He's given us a new heart. We don't have to go on in the old way in the ways of addiction, in the ways of enslaving ourselves 
to the good gifts that God has given us. And so that leads us finally back to Proverbs 23. The person who has decided to repent of, of, of what it is that addic- they're addicted to, whatever it is that's enslaved them. The person who knows that Jesus has, has died to, to, to give them a new heart, to, to wash away the filth of addiction. We come to Proverbs and we see that this person must now and can guard themselves against the overuse and abuse of God's gifts. Look there at Proverbs 23, verse 13. Sorry, verse 19. Listen, my son, and be wise, and set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. And and, and this is what the Christian will do. The Christian who knows that Jesus has has told them to to turn and to repent of their addiction, and he knows that, that, that Christ has given us a new heart, a new master himself, now listens to these wise words and says, I won't go with those who drink too much wine or who gorge themselves on meat. I won't associate with that. The wise Christian knows that if they have trouble with something, if something is a temptation to them, then they will stay right away from it. You're a fool if you have a problem with alcohol and you go, to the, go near the bottle shop. And you're a fool if you have a problem with alcohol and you go with your friends who, who just love to drink, right? And if you've got a problem with, with eating and your God is your stomach, then you're a fool to go along with those who do that because you're just going to get sucked, sucked back along with that. And, and, and so the, our Lord Jesus very wisely says, disassociate. If there's something that's causing you trouble... Put it well away from you. Get away from it. Joseph did not sit down with Potiphar's wife to say, let's have a really good discussion about this and you can give me your best case as to why I should commit adultery with you and I'm going to give you my best answer to that. There was no discussion. He just ran, right? He ran. He ran out of the house. And this is what... Proverbs is saying to us, the wise Christian, if there is something that, that, that it enslaves you, something that tempts you, something that you cannot help but to abuse, misuse, overuse, get away from it. Don't go near it. And finally, over the page, in my Bible at least, to verse 29, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Who are those who are sad? Who are those who are hurting themselves? It's those who linger over wine. 
who go to sample bowls of mixed wine. You see the problem? Again, here's a person who's got a problem with wine, and what are they doing? What are they doing? They're lingering over it, sampling it. They're not disassociated from, the, from it. They're gazing at it. They gaze at wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. Here's something that, that you've got a problem with, and you haven't turned your back on it, you haven't run away from it, you're gazing at it and it looks so good and it sparkles and it goes down so nicely. But in the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. And your eyes will see strange sights and your mind will imagine confusing things. And you'll be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. In other words, it's made you senseless. When will I wake up so I can find another drink? And so our Lord Jesus says to us here this morning, Cornerstone Church, I've given you so many good gifts And if you have been abusing my good gifts, distorting them, if these good things have become your masters and you have become their slaves, repent of it, he says. Turn, Turn your back on this. Repudiate this. And know that I died to cleanse you from this and to free you from this. And now, live wisely. Don't get near these things. Don't gaze at them you'll be sucked in again and harmed and hurt. Brothers and sisters, may we receive the good things that our Lord Jesus Christ gives us and instead of abusing them and overusing, misusing, may we receive them with with thanks and with praise and use them for his glory. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you died in our place. Thank you that your blood has has cleansed our hearts. Thank thank you that the the old master is dead. Thank you that you freed us from slavery to sin and worldly things to idols. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we pray that you'll help us now to repent of these things and to live wisely. Lord, uh, you know the struggles of your people here this morning. You know the men and women sitting here this morning and the ferocity of that struggle. And every day is hard. And there are many setbacks. And Lord, I pray that your people here this morning will know the freedom that they have will know that you've set them free from all worldly things as their master. And I pray, Lord, that your people will know that they don't have to go on in slavery. And I pray that they will take those hard steps that need to be taken 
to separate themselves from those things that harm and hurt them and those around them. Lord Jesus, we pray that there will be freedom in this church, freedom from the things that enslave us. Set us free, we pray, and help us to help each other with this for your sake. Amen. Thanks, musicians.